0: Chapter 11 of The Wonderful History of Peter Schlemel The Man Who Lost His Shadow. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ashley M. The Wonderful History of Peter Schlemel The Man Who Lost His Shadow. By Adalbert von Chamisso. Translated by Frederick Henry Hedge. Chapter 11 as i once wore my boots on the shores of the north and gathered lichens and seaweed, an ice-bear came unawares upon me round the corner of a rock flinging off my slippers i would step over to an opposite island to which a naked crag which protruded midway from the waves offered me a passage i stepped with one foot firmly on the rock and plunged over on the other side into the sea one of my slippers having unobserved remained fast on the foot the excessive cold seized on me I, with difficulty rescued my life from this danger and the moment i reached land i ran with the utmost speed to the libyan deserts in order to dry myself in the sun but as i was here exposed it burned me so furiously on the head that i staggered back again very ill towards the north i sought to relieve myself by rapid motion and ran with swift uncertain steps from west to east from east to west i found myself now in the day now in the night now in summer now in the winter's cold I knew not how long i thus reeled about on the earth a burning fever glowed in my veins with deepest distress i felt my senses forsaking me as mischief would have it in my incautious career i now trod on someone's foot i must have heard him i received a heavy blow and fell to the ground when i again returned to consciousness i lay comfortably in a good bed which stood amongst many other beds in a handsome hall someone sat at my head people went through the hall from one bed to another they came to mine, and spake together about me. They styled me number twelve, and on the wall at my feet stood—yes, certainly it was no delusion—I could distinctly read on a black tablet of marble in great golden letters, quite correctly written, my name, Peter Schlemiel. On the tablet beneath my name were two other rows of letters, but I was too weak to put them together. I again closed my eyes. I heard something of which the subject was Peter Schlemiel, read aloud and articulately, but I could not collect the sense. I saw a friendly man and a very lovely woman in black dress appear at my bedside. The forms were not strange to me, and yet I could not recognize them. Some time went over, and I recovered my strength. I was called number twelve and number twelve on account of his long beard passed for a Jew, on which account, however, he was not at all the less carefully treated that he had no shadow appeared to have been unobserved my boots as i was assured were with all that i had brought hither in good keeping in order to be restored to me on my recovery the place in which i lay was called the schlemilium what was daily read aloud concerning peter schlemil was an exhortation to pray for him as the founder and benefactor of this institution the friendly man whom i had seen by my bed was bendel the lovely woman was mina i recovered unrecognized in the schlemilium and learned yet farther that i was in bendel's native city where with the remains of my otherwise unblessed gold he had in my name founded this hospital where the unhappy blessed me and himself maintained its superintendence mina was a widow an unhappy criminal process had cost mr rascal his life and her the greater part of her property her parents were no more she lived here as a pious widow and practiced works of mercy once she conversed with mr bendel at the bedside of number twelve why noble lady will you so often expose yourself to the bad atmosphere which prevails here does fates then deal so hardly with you that you wish to die no mr bendel since i have dreamed out my long dream and have awakened in myself all is well with me since then i crave not and fear not death since then i reflect calmly on the past and the future is it not also with a still and inward happiness that you now in so devout a manner serve your master and friend thank god yes noble lady but we have seen wonderful things we have unwarily drunk much good and bitter woes out of the full cup now it is empty and we may believe that the whole has been only a trial and armed with the wisest concernment await the real beginning the real beginning is of another fashion and we wish not back the first jugglery and run the whole glad such as it was, to have lived through it, I feel also within me a confidence that I must now be better than formerly with our old friend. In me, too, replied the lovely widow, and then passed on. The conversation left a deep impression upon me, but I was undecided in myself whether I should make myself known, or depart hence unrecognized. I took my resolve, I requested paper and pencil, and wrote these words. It is indeed better with your old friend now than formerly, and if he does penance it is the penance of reconciliation hereupon i desired to dress myself as i found myself stronger the key of the small wardrobe which stood near my bed was brought and i found therein all that belonged to me i put on my clothes suspended my botanical case in which i rejoiced still to find my northern lichens round my black garment drew on my boots laid the written paper on my bed and as the door opened i was already far on the way to the base as i took the way along the syrian coast on which i for the last time had wandered from home i perceived my poor figaro coming towards me this excellent poodle who had long expected his master at home seemed to desire to trace him out i stood still and called to him he sprang barking towards me with a thousand moving assurances of his inmost and most extravagant joy i took him up under my arm for in truth he could not follow me and brought him with me home again I found all in its old order, and returned gradually, as my strength was recruited, to my former employment and mode of life, except that I kept myself for a whole year out of the, to me, wholly insupportable polar cold, and thus, my dear Tamiso, I live to this day. My boots are no worse for the wear, as that very learned work of the celebrated Thecius de the Rebus Justus Pulticelli, at first led me to fear. Their force remains unimpaired, my strength only decays, yet i have the comfort to have exerted in a continuous and not fruitless pursuit of one object i have so far as my boots could carry me become more fundamentally acquainted than any man before me with the earth its shape its elevations its temperatures the changes of its atmosphere the exhibitions of its magnetic power and the life upon it especially in the vegetable world the facts i have recorded with the greatest possible exactness and in perspicuous order in several works and stated my deductions and views briefly in several treatises i have settled the geography of the interior of africa and of the northern polar regions of the interior of asia and its eastern shores my historia stripium planetarium utreus orbis stands as a great fragment of the flora universalis Tere, and as a branch of my systema naturae i believe that i have therein not merely augmented ad moderate calculation the amount of known species more than one-third but i have done something for the natural system and for the geography of plants i shall labor diligently at my fauna i shall take care of that before my death my work shall be deposited in the berlin university and thee my dear Chamisso, have i selected as the preserver of my singular history which perhaps when i have vanished from the earth may afford valuable instruction to many of its inhabitants but thou my friend if thou wilt live among men learn before all things to reverence the shadow and then the gold wishest thou to live only for thyself and for thy better self Oh, then thou needest no counsel thoughtful readers of this remarkable story will be pleased no doubt to have the hidden significance of it its latent lessons set before them in statements more explicit and distinct than have yet been made The whole meaning of the narrative is summed up by its author in the sly and semi-satirical exhortation with which he closes my friend while you live among mankind learn above all things first to reverence your shadow then next your money to elucidate the full force of this somewhat obscure and metaphorical sentence and raise into clear relief the genuine moral teachings of the narrative we shall have to subdivide our explanation and present its contents under three heads first which is more important to the prosperity and happiness of a man the real character he is or the reputation he bears the substance of his personal being or the shadow he casts in society there are two answers in the intrinsic world of god consciousness and destiny the former is incomparably the more momentous but in the conventional world of civilization the latter is often considered and thus apparently made the essential thing second in the influence exerted on our experience respectively by money and by the goods that money represents which is superior which of these should hold the primary which the secondary rank in our esteem here likewise there are two opposed answers true insight unhesitatingly affirms that money is merely a symbol while the goods of life food clothing shelter education social intercourse are the reality it symbolizes given a full supply of the goods of life and money is needless on the contrary no amount of money would be worth anything if unrelated with the goods of life without which we could not get along at all therefore what immediately supports life is the real substance and its emblematic token is only a shadow that is the first answer to our question but a quite different answer passes current in the ordinary course of the world for under the present system of civilization money commands purchases and distributes the goods of life in this way it becomes the imperious lord of the supplies for our wants and consequently outranks them all in importance in fashionable circles a man gifted with magnificent genius and nobility but destitute of money passes for nothing while a commonplace lubber with a million guineas in the bank is a king the costly substance of the former is neglected because he has no pecuniary shadow the rich pecuniary shadow of the latter is worshipped notwithstanding his unsubstantial worthlessness The meaning of the sign has disappeared in the formal hollowness of the signal the substance and the shadow have changed places third the last and deepest lesson tacitly taught by the mysterious adventures of peter schlemiel is the delightful absurdity the ridiculous logical incoherence involved in the supposition that a negative abstraction can exist by itself and operate independently of everything else there are very few things in literature more delicious in their ironical wit and humour than the coolness with which the author assumes that the shadow of a man is something quite free of any dependence on him who throws it the perfect innocence with which poor peter describes his shadow as a material object which could be picked up and folded together and put in the pocket or which could be frozen to the ground and left there while its owner walked away It is a cutting satire on that agnostic philosophy which personifies mental abstractions and then substitutes them for the causal personality from which alone mental abstractions can be derived in this manner personality is pulverized into a series of states of consciousness with no permanent identity threading them so in the darwinian theory of the origin of species an arbitrary personification of the verbal phrase natural selection is made to work as an intelligent cause to produce all the phenomena of evolution And to supersede god by doing his work in his place natural selection is not a causative entity it is the abstract expression for a process which is the resultant of the various cooperative factors involved in the whole systematic relationship of being philosophy can no more solve the problem of evolution without the three concepts creator creation creatures than one can account for the appearance of a human shadow without presupposing the three facts a man a light And the interception of the light by the body of the man, the shadow of nature implies the light of God. W. R. Alger. End of the wonderful history of Peter Slamele, the man who lost his shadow, by Adelbert von Chamisso, translated by Frederick Henry Hedge, recording by Ashley M.